You're tuned in to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcast live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for over 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Hello, East Tennessee. Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. One of my favorite times of year is the spring, and I feel like the weather, especially the last week of February, it was certainly a little bit unseasonably mild. But, man, spring, I knew it was right around the corner. It feels like it's here. I know we'll probably have a couple of cold spells, but, you know, I just love it. The grass greens up. Flower blossoms appear, but the surefire way that you know that spring has arrived is when the dogwoods begin to bloom. You know, you can drive down neighborhood streets with the signature pink arrows to see the beauty of the dogwoods on display. It really is magical time of year, and East Tennessee is one of the most beautiful places on earth to me in the spring. The warmer spring weather this past week has me really raring to get outside and explore of course, Dogwood Arts is a nonprofit here in Knoxville that works to promote and celebrate the art, culture, and natural beauty of our region. Today on our show, we are joined by Sherry Jenkins and Vicki Baumgartner with Dogwood Arts. Welcome to More Living, ladies. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Let's start with you, Sherry, your role. You're the executive director at Dogwood Arts. I am, and you are speaking our language with that excitement for spring. We are ready. We're with you on that one. Yeah, I love all the seasons. Uh, it's one of the great things about being in East Tennessee. But, yeah, spring is such a great time. And then, Vicki, your program director? I am the Trails and Gardens program manager. So I am uh, otherwise known as the Bloom Queen. I do all things blooming. And so I uh, talk about speaking our language. We we love a beautiful blooming spring, and we are geared up for one this year for sure. Well, I grew up in Knoxville, out in uh, off Alcohol Highway. And the dogwoods were a staple in just about every yard. Talk about the history of dogwood arts. So dogwood arts actually began in... 1955 as a neighborhood beautification project after um, a New York author sort of slammed the city as the ugliest place he'd ever seen in America. And there were a a group of women who decide with the Knoxville Garden Club. When I saw that, I just thought, East Tennessee? I know. I know. It seems crazy. It's so beautiful here. You can't imagine. But I guess um, the downtown area was, of course, very, very different at that point in time. And that's likely what he was referring to. But these folks decided that um, you, if that's all you've seen, you haven't seen how beautiful it is in East Tennessee. So they literally called neighbors, started getting people to plant dogwood trees in their front yard because it's a native tree and it blooms so beautifully. And um, so many people were coming to see the trails. The first trail was in Sequoia Hills, and it only went from Cherokee Boulevard right down to the fountain and circled back out. And these women were, as I have 
heard but haven't seen evidence of actually painting those pink lines on pieces of wood and nailing them to the trees to direct the route. Uh-huh. And then the city said, oh, we, we think we can help with that. Okay. Let's put those on, on the road. So that's the story of how the pink line started. So in, within five years, so many people were coming to see the trails that the festival was born. And it's been continual except for COVID since 1961. Well, those dogwood trails are what I think of first and foremost. I lived on the dogwood trail growing up. So uh, we lived in South Knoxville out of Falcoa Highway in Lake Moore Hills. You were in Lake Moore Hills. Yep. And the dogwood ran right by our house. Now, at some point, I lived on Velmetta Circle, which is all the way back in there right. at the very end. And at one point, at some point, they stopped going down around the circle. They stopped painting it and they went up blow drive. But, um, but growing up like that, th- that was always synonymous to me with dogwood arts was that trail and we'd have car- everybody driving by and looking at all the dogwoods and it was a beautiful area to grow up in with so many dogwoods you know dogwoods aren't native to east tennessee but everybody wants them in their yard here what's so unique about dogwoods do you think well they actually they are native to east tennessee they are um we have just the perfect climate for them to bloom here. I grew up in Middle Tennessee, and while they certainly um, they certainly grow there and they bloom, it's nothing like the way they are here in East Tennessee. So I guess it's that uh, it may be that little bit of elevation, it may be the the cooler air, but it's um, they're they're just they flourish here like nowhere I've ever seen before. I don't know if the clay top you know soil we have here. I wouldn't think the clay would be particularly good for them because they have to have good drainage. You know, they need really good drainage. Um, but they, they are, they're a native understory tree. So where you find them in their original habitat is sort of at the edge of woods. So, um, but, you know, we're planting them in full sun. I have them in full sun at my house yeah. and they ab- absolutely well, we drive. Too, so. actually. We have them in the front of our house and that's what gets the afternoon and evening sun. Right. I don't know anything about flowers and stuff so we're going to get into all this stuff i'm not we'll i'm not I don't, I, don't, I don't have a green thumb so you'll be able to bring me up to speed the winter featured gardens are open march 17th through the 19th uh talk to us about the winter featured gardens where are they when when is it open well we're, we're doing hours? winter featured gardens because we're so excited about spring that we can't wait for spring so we just decided <laughs> we'll go on and bust it open in the winter and get started so uh the weekend of march the 17th through the 19th that'll be a friday saturday and sunday uh we're going to do two featured gardens and it's interesting for people who are garden enthusiasts or people who visit gardens it's interesting to see them at different in different seasons so what this garden looks like at the end of mar middle of march is entirely different from what it's going to look like in the middle of june so we we do these gardens so that one year you might see it in march and one year you might see it in april and one year you might see it in june and the variety is uh it's not only beautiful but it's inspiring for people who who like to garden so one of these will be in holston hills and the other one will be at savage garden in fountain city and Savage is a hundred and I think they're hundred and two years old now. They celebrated their hundredth anniversary a couple years ago. It's been fully restored. Stone architecture is amazing. But we refer to the winter gardens as a chance to see the bones of the garden. So you see the structure. And of course we always appreciate that these private homeowners will share their gardens with us oh, and yeah, with the public. Absolutely. It's really amazing that they allow us to do that. You know, let's go ahead and mention for the list for our listeners, what what's the easiest way, the best way for people to find out about all the things going on with dogwood arts over the next really 
over two months, right? Yes, and dogwoodarts.com. It's it's super easy. It's uh, art with an S on the end of it, dogwoodarts.com. So dogwoodarts.com. And that's can where see you can the full find schedule, find out more about the winter featured gardens as well. Dates, times, locations for everything that we're doing for sure. Now, spring gardens are already starting to take shape with the warmer weather we've been having. What are your favorite places people can go to take in public gardens? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so many. That's a loaded too question. Many. There are too many to, to answer. If you're doing um, public gardens, of course, the UT gardens are lovely. The Knoxville Botanical Gardens are a hidden jewel in East Knoxville. The UT Arboretum has, uh, I think they still do regular walks. It's a great place to go and see some of the public gardens. But as we get into season for the month of April, there will be private gardens that will be open along the trails. And those are all listed on our website and will be noted with a sign in the yards of those that are open for people to just stop and and take a look through from 10 until dusk every day or 10 until 6, I think is what Mm -hmm. we say on that. Mm -hmm. Spring is really already here. It's not right around the corner. It's already here. We're visiting uh, with uh, Sherry Jenkins and Vicki Baumgartner from Dogwood Arts. When we come back, I want to talk about the events coming up in April. We'll talk about the Chalk Walk. We'll talk about the festival and some of the things, great things going on right here in East Tennessee with Dogwood Arts. So so stay with us as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back. This is More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan. Spring is in the air, and we're visiting this morning with Sherry Jenkins and Vicky Vicky Baumgartner. They're with Dogwood Arts. That's what you know. That's kind of a staple of East Tennessee when we think about spring. I know when I was growing up, as I mentioned in that first segment, I grew up on the Dogwood Arts Trail out in Lake Moore Hills, off Alcoa Highway, and it just always very vivid memories of the dogwoods and and such great tradition here in East Tennessee. With that, um, I have to admit. Last week, it had that day, it got up to like 80 degrees, and I was like, I don't know that I've ever seen 80 degrees in February, but, you know, prior to that, we really had quite an Arctic blast, right? Mm -hmm. So, it's created some challenges for, you know, all kinds of horticulture, right? Right, Can you talk to us a little bit about the challenges and how will that affect the dogwoods? Sure. Um, We have lots of conversations about this and actually have attended some plant lectures and and, uh, are learning along with everyone else. But um, basically what happened was it was so cold for so long. You know, we have those we have those cold temperatures that if they last a day or two. But when you get down to four degrees and 13 degrees high for three or four days, that was under freezing for mm -hmm. like five or five days five or six days it was horrible and uh it really has taken a toll on a lot of uh of the foliage in the gardens and the yards and so uh some of our gardeners who are so gracious to participate are worried about what people might see when they visit this year and i've encouraged them that this is a great this is a great learning opportunity it's a great time for us to be able to talk to people uh about what we're experiencing and gardeners love to do that we you know we love to 
talk dirt. <laughs> um, but <laughs> sorry, I had to go there. No, I love uh, it. I had to go there. But um, I was happy to report that the dogwood tree blossoms look fantastic. I checked them on the way out this morning, as I do most days at this time of year, and they really look good. So unless we have another really hard freeze, once they start to open, the trails should be lovely. Now, a lot of the evergreens have a lot of burn. A lot of perennials have a lot of burn. Some of those things we're going to lose. Rosemary's, lavenders, I don't expect any of those to to really uh, make it this year. It's a good opportunity to do a little plant shopping, add a few things to your garden. But um, the key... And we'll see some other things shining maybe this year that we're not used to. Some other things will, will come through and, and surprises but um i think the the key that we've heard from everyone we've talked to professionally is be patient don't prune too early let things start to flush out a little bit see where the green is before you start cutting everything and let's see what comes back because i'm seeing a lot of things wake up in my garden that i thought you know may maybe shot and they've they've got that little sprig of hope down near the branch so uh so we'll see but but the good news is i think the dogwoods are going to be great so um, we, what we really got to hope for is not we don't have another hard freeze, right? And even I if we were to have a freeze now, thirty would be okay. Yeah, thirty is going to be okay. Nine, but not worse than that. Even now, um, it's not going to be a big deal because the buds haven't started to yeah. open. So when when we lose opening. the color is when they're open, and we get a thirty degree night or even a thirty two degree night. If the buds are fully open, they just turn brown overnight. So I have to ask you this because since you're so knowledgeable about this stuff let's crepe i want to ask a crepe myrtle question okay we got these two beautiful crepe myrtles coming into our driveway one on either side and different people do different things for pruning you know some they cut crepe those murder. things they crepe <laughs> those they, they cut them down to the you know so far now then they end up being beautiful but we don't do that we were advised we just cut off the little twig end kind of thing and they don't look so funny but it's just kind of the little twig in, and ours, be- they're just beautiful when they end up blooming. It seems like they're more beautiful than when you cut them way, way down. Well, how should we be handling our crepe myrtles? I totally agree with whoever gave you that advice not to murder your crepe myrtles. <laughs> you know, they do call it crepe murder in the in the industry. So, so it should just uh, be those where it gets kind of twiggy at the end? Right, right. That's what I mean, we it's, do. I think it's better for the tree. You think about how harsh it is. You drive by and you see uh, maples that people cut like that, and you see crepe myrtles people cut like that. There's just no need to do it. You know, the tree, and I think it's a better, it's a prettier tree form if you let it just sort of develop naturally, and they don't require that pruning. Yeah, I think the company that's helped us with our landscaping over the years is the one that said, we don't recommend that. Just cut back the, you know, that end part, the little where it gets real twiggy. Yeah, I think most most knowledgeable landscapers would tell you that it's better not to, okay, to well, print good. them so I'm hard. I'm glad we're doing it right. Keep, keep up the good <laughs> it work, does seem, Well, it does seem like ours, when they do bloom, they're just spectacular. They're really and they're so and full. Even the others are beautiful, too, but it seems like ours are just so full. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so April got lots of events through Dogwood Arts, including the Chalk Walk. What is the Chalk Walk, and how can people get involved in the Chalk Walk? Well, Chalk Walk is one of our most popular events every year. People of all ages from all parts of our community come out, um, and then also visitors come to town. So we have professional art, everything from professional artists to student groups working together to create art, and it's it's um it's something that our whole staff gets so excited for our committee all the people involved with the behind the scenes work that we do at dogwood arts are always excited to tackle chalk walk 
we'll have 25 or 30,000 of our closest friends come out to uh, enjoy that beautiful day with us. And um, right down in the city center, Market Square and Market Street, it's free. We want everybody to come out yeah, and really witness cool. it. And I guess this year, 15. Actually. Yes, it so is. Started in 09 was the first yeah. one. So five, uh, mm-hmm. five years ago was the 10 year, yeah. the 10th year. Yeah. So amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking at some of the historical things that have happened at Dogwood Arts. And uh, a couple things jumped out at me. Bob Hope appeared in 1970. Mm-hmm. I know we like to brag about that and the, the young folks who are in our office. Now, I am great to say there are young folks in our office that are going to yes. continue this tradition. And but they awesome. look at you like, who's, who's Bob? Bob Hope? And we're like, come on, oh my guys. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, we know things they don't know. Well, I didn't know he had been here. I mean, I was one year old. and Actually, I wasn't even one. I was a newborn in, in the spring of 1970, so I don't remember that. But um, I did not know that. Same. Elvis Presley performed here in 1972. He performed. The athletics. Yeah, he sure did. And it was during April. There was a time period where everything that happened during April was considered part of the spring celebration. So I'm not sure Dogwood actually brought him but yeah. but we uh we shared we shared the credit well for it the you know name on it right right um mm-hmm. and then of course some of the things that have started over the years 1978 was the house and garden show was established mm-hmm. yeah and that's our biggest annual fundraiser so you know that's something we do every year in february and it raises money for the rest of these events that we do year round and so, so the chalk walk that we're talking about that's free it's because we're able to to raise some to money raise, through this yeah. event that that allows us to bring so much to the community at no charge. Mm-hmm. Then Bazillion Bloom started the same year as the Chalk Walk. Bazillion mm-hmm. Blooms is uh, started as a three year tree planting initiative just to be sure we keep people educated to populate the trails because eventually trees you know decline and and pass away <laughs> oh no it's terrible for me uh, but yeah so we started it as a three-year initiative and it's been so wildly successful that now we're uh, we're selling an average of a thousand thirteen hundred trees a year and those are going back onto the trails or in the community at mm-hmm. large so that everybody gets in on the fun mm-hmm. now dogwood arts festival of course is the signature event it's at the end of april mm-hmm so for listeners that might not know much about the festival, talk to us about that weekend. Oh, I would love to talk about that. So <laughs> so it, it's it's always that last full weekend in April. So this year it's 28th through the 30th. Um, we did move it to World's Fair Park after COVID, and it's found a home there. It's just a great space for the venue, for the event. Um, the artists enjoy it. It's, it's, a, it's a great space to move into and move out of easily. Um, and all of our attendees can, can get there from all different parts of the city um, pretty easily. Um, this year, we're actually going to expand that footprint. We, we take over the entire performance lawn at World's Fair Park, but we're also going to add the amphitheater and the space around the waterfront on that side of the park um, and include that in our footprint this year. So we're going to do extra more other things on that footprint um, beyond the 100 artists that we'll have that are from all over the country that come for that juried show. And then, of course, dogwoodarts.com is where people can find out really kind of the full schedule. Absolutely. Now, Music and fun of yeah. all kinds. Now, Dogwood Arts culminates with the Southern Skies Music Festival on May 16th. Well, that's our last big event of the year. It will be Southern Skies. Is this is year two for that event, um, and it's our it's our new music festival. Um, we are super excited about the lineup. We're going to a two day event this year. Um, so Saturday and Sunday, it's chock full. Grace Potter, Saint Paul, and the Broken Bones are the headliners, but. 
working with the Dirty Govs, who are hometown favorites that are local guys who've made it really big in the industry and love Knoxville. Um, We're super proud to work with those guys, and it's a great lower card lineup, too. So I think it's going to be two wonderful days of music. Yeah, um, that's great. Celebrating our city, really, too. Yeah, that's awesome. A vital program that Dogwood Arts works on is Art in Public Places. And it provides access to the visual arts for everyone. The downtown Crutch Park installation includes some beautiful sculptures. Who's the featured artist this year? Well, we actually, for for that program, that's a rotating um, annual exhibition. So artists from all over the country submit their their pieces for consideration it's a juried show as well so you'll notice if you go, walk through Crutch park sometime this spring and then walk through in after mid-june you're going to see all new work there so um, that's the exciting thing about that program it's both sculptures and murals um, that we consider part of the art and public places program so in june we'll swap out those murals that are there in Crouch park and other places throughout the city and bring all new artwork in um, and so that's that's something exciting to photograph and visit and see and, and just kind of um, see how the audience really perceives each of those new pieces and what the excitement is the energy around those things and then our mural work that we do we work in strong alley and really just encouraging artists to continue working in the alley that has been you know kind of happening as as an art installation activation for years um but we're kind of involved there just just keeping it rolling making sure there's new art happening in the space um promoting it keeping it clean and it's really become an art destination um from for visitors and locals alike to see the new work that's happening there and as you can hear, one of the things I'm thinking as I hear about all this is how much Dogwood Arts has evolved over the years and just added more and more and more and more things. Mm-hmm. So again, go to dogwoodarts.com and you can find a whole schedule of events and things going on. It's just an awesome way to bring in the spring here in East Tennessee. Now, when we come back, I want to talk more about all things flowers and garden. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to ask Vicki some more questions. Uh, also, we'll have our dollars and cents segment, Common Mistakes made with a will, with your will, your legal documents. So stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. This is More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're with you every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. and again from 3 to 4 p.m. If you've missed part of today's show and want to hear the whole show, we'll have this podcast on our website by Tuesday afternoon. You can go to BroganFinancial.com and click on radio. Uh, Also, check out all of our resources there. If you go to BroganFinancial.com, you can click on our blogs. Uh, You can also click on our upcoming classes. I've got a a one-night income planning class coming up, and I have a one-night tax planning class coming up, uh, through one through Pellissippi State Adult Education and one through the University of Tennessee's Adult Education. So go check all that out, BroganFinancial.com. Uh, Vicki, you're the expert in all things flowers and garden. 
That might be a stretch, but <laughs> we've had a lot of rain this winter. Now Tennessee always is one thing that's so green here. You know, we get a lot of rain. Has it been too much rain? I don't think it's At been too much rain. No? I don't. I really don't. Um, I planted about twelve dogwood trees last fall and um i was really anxious i'm doing a a fence row of trees and every time it rains i'm like my trees are so happy um the one thing that you can't you can't have some bulbs that will rot if there's excessive rain but if you've got decent drainage in the garden that shouldn't be a problem either so the the rain that everything takes in over the winter is what gives us those beautiful springs and i noticed this morning that just in just like that the grass is green again i mean you know two weeks ago it was brown and now the lawn is just this lush it's amazing dark how green quickly it's the green. even when we have droughts like in late summer mm-hmm. if we have a patch of rain you know for a couple of weeks it's amazing how right. much the green comes i love kentucky fescue grass oh, mm-hmm. it's beautiful it's one of my favorite things about living in east tennessee it's beautiful mm-hmm. uh you know it seems like there's always a house on the block where somebody's got a green thumb it's, you know if you don't have a green thumb you know, what are some easy plants that someone can get that will survive if you have a tendency to neglect them? Well, nothing's going to thrive with neglect, I don't think. But Well, you know, if you just don't stay on it quite as well. I mean, we know we have to care for them. We have they're to looking do for the things. easy button. Big. The Give us the easy button, button in the garden. Huh, that's tough. Um, for spring gardens, of course, planting bulbs in the fall is an easy button because they're going to pop up and they're going to do their thing and they like the cold and and as i said they like the wet unless they don't have decent drainage so that's an easy way to get um some nice color in the spring but whenever you know for the person who really doesn't want to do a lot of maintenance working with native plants is your best bet because they are native to the environment they don't know how to live here without your help right 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 they were doing it long before we got here and they Mm -hmm. know how to do it so and you can talk with your local garden centers about native plants but um, i like to add a mix of perennials and a few wildflowers in the spring and you know choose hardy shrubs shrubs that don't require a lot of pruning um, that are sort of self-sufficient and then you can usually get a pretty nice mix out of that the crepe myrtle that you mentioned is a really easy tree to grow here and it's beautiful it gives you summer blooms instead of spring blooms and we have a lot of great greenhouses that have so much knowledge willing to share we really yeah we do have that yeah yeah. if i want to start a vegetable garden should i start with seeds or plants for that i purchase depends on what the vegetable is in my humble opinion um i purchase i purchase plants for lettuces and um cabbage and broccoli and those kind of things i'm not i'm not a super patient indoor person i'd rather be outside so when i start from seed a lot of my things get spindly so i don't start cool plants from seed but i direct those summer summer plants so like beans and okra um, things like that are very easy to to direct seed squashes but um you know eggplant tomatoes i always buy plants on those kind of things what are what vegetables are best for this area for east tennessee well for this time of year you do the the coal crops so that's going to be broccoli cauliflower cabbage kale um, lettuces spinach all that sort of thing and then by the time the weather starts to warm up first of may you're usually safe to start planting beans and squashes and peppers and of course the beloved tomato that speaks summer kind of like dogwood speaks spring in my book it does especially Mm -hmm. granger county i guess Mm -hmm. we're famous for that gardens can be more than just fruits and vegetables or flowers 
You know, I've heard mixing in flowers is great for pollination and even insect repellent. So what plants are the best choice for repelling bugs? Uh, Lemongrass is a good one. Um, Citronella is a really good one. Uh, Rosemary will sometimes repel some bugs. So I, I like to have an herb garden close to the kitchen, which is also close to the deck. So you've got, you know, you've got the culinary herbs right there that you cook with. And then you have them right there by your by your area where you're sitting outside as well, and that helps to repel. But citronella is the one we always think about as a mosquito repellent. Oh, yeah, yeah, and absolutely. when it's much lovelier to have the plant versus the spray. Right. <laughs> yes, well, that and that's one of the benefits of home gardens right. is, is you don't, you know, you don't have to, you're probably going to be pesticide-free. But once it's growing, how do we prevent things like birds and animals from getting in there? Well, it depends on <laughs> depends on how uh, stringent you want to be. Um, with birds, like I have a blueberry patch that I really, really am partial to, and I'll net it right before it's time to pick the berries. But the birds and the snakes are going to get caught in there. I mean, that's just part of of how it goes. There's not really any way to keep them from eating it unless you you net those. And then there are some granules that I've been using. There's something called um, deer scram. And I think maybe rabbit scram or some small animal scram. That is a smell that they don't like. And it's a granular that you sprinkle around the edges of the garden. And I find it to be fairly effective. Now, if I put lettuce in a bed at the height of a rabbit, the rabbit's going to win. <laughs> it's just how this works. The rabbit and I have talked about it. The rabbit's going to win. Yeah. So it's up to me to move it and do something different, like put it in a higher raised bed or something like that. Spring is in the air. We're visiting with Dogwood Arts. Sherry Jenkins and Vicki Baumgartner have taken time to be with us this morning at More Living with Jim Brogan. Uh, we'll get back with them in just a moment. I'm curious as to what happens after the spring. Uh, before we get back to them, however, it is time for Dollars and Cents. Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? For all the years of your retirement? That's the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan and our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now, here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. What are some common mistakes made when you write a will, your legal document, the will. You know, I get asked this a good bit. Probably the most common mistake is not keeping it up to date or reviewed enough. Uh, now, I hear some attorneys, and I'm not an attorney, but I hear some attorneys say every couple of years, I think that's a little bit much. Um, but I think every five years or so, you should be reviewing your legal documents and you should be reviewing your will and maybe checking with your attorney to see if there have been any statutes or anything that has changed that you need to be aware of. You know, just in the last five years, we've had two changes to how retirement accounts are distributed with Secure Act and Secure Act 2.0, just as an example. And that affects how you do your legal planning. Uh, so about every four or five years, and then also if you have a major life event. So in your family, that would be a marriage, a divorce, a birth or a death, you should get out your will and review it. Now, typically wills are written where they have language in there to cover a lot of those kinds of things. But you should always get it out and review it when you have a major life event and see if anything might need to be amended. So that's probably the number one mistake is not keeping it up to date as 
circumstances change in your family and as the law changes and there are new statutes. Uh, probably uh, the second most common mistake that I hear is or that I see is not naming a fallback to your executor. You know, you're married, you name your spouse. Who is going to be your who would be your executor if your spouse cannot do it? Or what if you have one child and you name that child and you don't have any other kids? You've got to have a fallback. Now a lot of times I hear, well Jim, we're married but we have three kids. What do we do? Can we name all three kids as fallback executors? I do not recommend that. That could be a real mess because they not only have to agree on everything, they have to sign everything and administer everything unless they remove themselves from the process. So I recommend just name one, then the next, then the next. That's okay. Somebody who's typically very, very organized and structured and disciplined uh, is probably pretty good to manage that kind of thing. So just name one, then the next, then the next. Those are the two most common mistakes. Now, one myth that I often hear is, Jim, does my executor have to live in Tennessee? Uh, no, they do not. He or she does not. It, it certainly makes it easier uh, to be able to file documents and do all those things, but they do not have to live here. Uh, then the other main question that I hear is, should we do a will-based estate plan or a trust-based estate plan? And really what that's referring to is when you pass away, should your stuff be governed and administered by what, what legal documents should govern and administer your estate? Should it be your will or should it be your living trust? And it, it really is dealing with the ease of administration. Uh, when, when things are in a trust, they typically will bypass probate it's a lot quicker, it's private, and all of those things. However, those documents cost more to set up initially. Somebody that doesn't have a large estate, you know, doesn't need to spend $3,000 on a living trust document. We also see a lot of issues where people will create a living trust, and then they don't put the, their assets in the trust. You know, just be aware, if you have a living trust and your attorney lists assets in the name of the trust, like, hey, they, we, we have our house in there and our this investment account and this bank account and this piece of property. That doesn't mean it's there. Putting it in the name of, putting it in the trust document does not in any way put that asset in the trust. All that matters is, like, for example, for your house, if I go down to the courthouse, let's say you're Knox County, and I go down to the courthouse and I pull the deed to your house, what does it say on the deed? Does it say, for me, for example, Jim Brogan, or does it say the Jim Brogan Living Trust? If it says Jim Brogan, no matter what I've put in the trust document, that house is not in the trust. And I, we see this a lot where people have created these legal documents and they have done all this planning to bypass probate and cause ease of administer or, or you know, create ease of administration, and they don't put everything in the name of the trust. So what is the title on that asset, whether it's a piece of property, an investment account, or what have you? Um, you know, a lot in Tennessee, probate is not a real complicated, cumbersome process like it is in every state, in some states, excuse me, not every state, but like it is in some states. We don't have a probate tax or assessment or anything like that. Tennessee's pretty friendly. So will-based planning can be very effective. Trust-based planning can also be effective. Now, if you do use a living trust, you still need a will uh, because what that will will do, it'll be a lot simpler 
but it'll take anything that maybe you didn't put into the trust or forgot to name the trust as beneficiary, it'll put it into the trust at your death. It's called a pour-over will. So you'd still, everyone needs to have a will, even if you have a living trust. So those are just some common questions and misperceptions and mistakes that I see. The biggest thing to know is if you, do you need an estate plan? Well, if you love, if you own something and you love somebody, you need an estate plan and you need legal documents to take care of all of these things. That's our Dollars and Cents segment for this week. You can find this week's Dollars and Cents segment and others by visiting BroganFinancial.com. To check us out at BroganFinancial.com, we've got lots of resources. You can follow our blogs. We publish a weekly blog. We've got some video content on there. You can also register to get our weekly e-newsletter, Blast, electronic newsletter, where we basically provide links to all the other content we're providing. So that would be a link to our dollars and cents segment every week, to any blogs we have published, any special reports that we have published, or special guides I have a guide on legal documents uh, and, you know, all the different things you need to have in place. So, again, go to BroganFinancial.com and you can click on resources for that. We're visiting this morning with Sherry Jenkins and Vicki Baumgartner. They're with Dogwood Arts. Spring is in the air and it's synonymous with spring in East Tennessee is Dogwood Arts. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about all the different resources that they provide and what happens when the Dogwood Arts festival and all the spring activities finish what happens the rest of the year what are they doing with the youth for for the youth in the area you might be surprised they're doing a lot of great things so stay with us this is more living with jim brogan here on news talk 98.7 woki Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. This is More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm Jim Brogan. We're visiting this morning with Sherry Jenkins and Vicki Baumgartner. They're with Dogwood Arts, talking about all the great things going on this spring and all the great things Dogwood Arts brings to the community as a nonprofit, you can go to dogwoodarts.com and, and really get a schedule for all of the different things. And one of the things we hopefully you've learned here today and that I'm always astounded by every time we talk about Dogwood Arts is the way it has evolved and really grown is really a better word than evolved because it, it really has just grown so much in all of the different activities and things that are available in the culture and the beauty, the music, all the different things. Um, I do want to ask you, Vicki, what are some good resources for people to look at or consult if they have more questions about gardening? Oh, about gardening. Uh, the University of Tennessee is is the best place to get good information. The um, County Agricultural Extension has great information, but um, the UT, UT Gardens and UT, I think, is, is your go-to source for good local information. And for classes and workshops? 
Um, I think they have I would think you teach classes. through the same but, professional and personal development right. that I teach through. Yeah. Uh, I would think But they also have. our friends at Stanley's does like I think you could, there are several, especially if you're following some of the nurseries, I think they I think they some have, of the, a lot of the nurseries, of the nurseries do workshops. Have workshops. Yeah. I know we've been to a couple of those. We've even mm-hmm. had a couple of client events at gar- doing gardening events at a couple of the local nurseries. It's mm-hmm. a wonderful thing to do. It's a great uh, it's a great way to collaborate uh, with the folks that, that you're working with and um, one of my favorite things is the kids gardening the knoxville botanical garden has an every child outdoors program where kids really can put their hands in the dirt they can plant they can harvest um, and it's i'll never forget seeing a little girl pull a gigantic turnip out of the ground one day and and she was so excited and she said mom do we like turnips and her mom just sort of looked at her with this look on her face like no honey we don't and i went over and had a chat with mom and i was like don't tell her you don't like turnips take this turnip home and cook it for this child (laughs) now before we know it we'll we'll kind of blink and we'll be through spring and it'll be in the summer Mm -hmm. what happens with dogwood arts after the spring and all the different festivities what happens the rest of the year well i know that spring is synonymous with dogwood arts and vice versa in a lot of people's minds but we really have a year-round calendar um we do currently have 21 events and programs um so those big events that we've already talked about today are definitely forefront in a lot of people's minds but we have a really um robust uh youth art program um with really a, a main element of that is is a relatively new program for us that we started during COVID um, that we're going to continue is the Art Kits for Kids program. And if you've got a fifth grader in Knox County, Anderson, or Blount County schools, you have or will be seeing Art Kits coming home with your fifth grader. What we're going to do with that program going forward is is to is to get those free art art supplies to every fifth grader in those three counties um every year um and that is currently it's about 7100 children um to date so far this year we've delivered all of the knox county um schools so that's about 5200 of those bags and then the rest of the art kits for this year are going to go out um in the next few weeks out to anderson and blunt county schools so that program is something that we're hoping we, we inspire fifth grade is the last year before art becomes an elective so we're really kind of leaning in on that to hopefully keep kids inspired by the arts i think it's so important you know i had served previously on the knoxville symphony board Mm -hmm. and when i was growing up what that makes me think about is that what what i did in high school you really couldn't do anymore i mean i had i I had chorus and band Mm -hmm. and when i became a junior i was in madrigals in the pop ensemble which was kind of an audition group of 16 kids Mm -hmm. eight guys and eight girls and that year, they had to actually go, because the curriculum requirements were increasing, we had to start having the that pop ensemble and uh, madrigals in the morning at 7.30. Oh, wow. So every morning for the, my junior and senior year in high school, I had to be there at 7.30 in the morning. That was a but commitment. I, oh, my gosh. But then I still had band and chorus. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, you know, it's it's too bad. And it, it, I did art, actually, as a mm-hmm. freshman. Mm-hmm. I did art and band. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it just... The arts are so important. It's so important. And our curriculum, I just hate we seem to not in, you know, 
what's the right word? Um, we just don't prioritize, prioritize that. That's and right. I think it's sad. So I think that's great. Y'all are doing that with youth art mm-hmm. um, because I think it's so important in our kids' development. Mm-hmm. Well, and not all kids have the opportunity to have these supplies of their own and just express their own creativity. So that was a lot of the goal is to send this home with kids who might otherwise not have an opportunity to have those materials so that they they can explore their creative outlet as well. And, you know, we really recognize those those art teachers as heroes for those kids. Like, they're the champions of the arts. And for us, we're just, what we're doing is really trying to help support the work that they do every day. Absolutely. So you mentioned 21 events throughout the year. And, mm-hmm. of course, your big fundraiser is in February. Mm-hmm. And that is the House and Garden Show. Mm-hmm. So I know that's just happened. We want to be aware of that next year. Maybe yes. we'll do a segment in January. Absolutely. Uh, we could do a segment and really talk about the heart, House and Garden Show and all the things that you all do with We'd that. We'd love to. It's, to, the to first, it's the first little taste of spring when yeah. we get to see the Grand Gardens that, that the folks just create overnight in the convention center absolutely well thank you all so i hate we're out of time we could just kept talking about <laughs> gardening could. dogwoods all that stuff but thank you all vicki baumgartner sherry thank you so much for being with us this morning thank you uh, jim. from dogwood arts thanks jim absolutely so that's uh, go to dogwoodarts.com and you can find out more about all their events, not only through the spring, but year-round. Again, that's Sherry Jenkins and Vicki Baumgartner with Dogwood Arts. We thank them for taking time out of their busy schedule. Today, we've talked, about, we've talked about the beauty of East Tennessee, really, and the beautiful springs that we have in the seasons. Because a greater community provides for more living, so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you for tuning in this morning. Thank you to Riley running the board, engineering. Thank you to Jill for producing the show. You've been listening to More Living with Jim Brogan only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Have a very blessed weekend. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.